Greetings, listeners. Welcome to the Cold Fusion Now podcast, where we bring you the latest developments in the science, engineering, and business of Cold Fusion Leonard. I'm your host, Ruby Carrot. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Demeter Alexandrov, a professor in the Department of Electrical Engineering at Lakehead University in Thunder Bay, Canada. He received his PhD from Technical University at Sofia, Bulgaria in the European Union and works in material science and electronic devices as head of the Semiconductor Research Laboratory at Lakehead University. Welcome, Dr. Demeter Alexandrov. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Well, uh, Dr. Alexandrov, let's start at the beginning. When did you first hear about cold fusion and what made you want to get involved? As a matter of fact, the first time when uh, I heard about cold fusion, uh, it was uh, 30 years ago when uh, the first uh, uh, cold fusion outcomes uh, were announced. Uh, it was actually very interesting and hit in the science at that time. So, uh, uh, everybody was uh, interested in this uh, area at that time. However, uh, the reason for my recent involvement in this field is that uh, uh, I found uh, Lenner outcomes uh, accidentally almost uh, two years ago. When I did uh, some experiments uh, of deuterium nitrogen plasma for other purposes, for the purpose of uh, uh, manufacturing of uh, certain semiconductors. So the first actually experimental uh, learner outcomes, uh, which I found, uh, were done in accidentally accidental way. After that, I, after that I, I decided to explore this opportunity further because in the beginning I didn't, uh, uh, I, sorry, I was not sure uh, is this is correct or not. How did you know that you were witnessing a Lenner phenomenon? As a matter of fact, uh, during the experiments, uh, I found uh, a release of helium, especially uh, the lighter uh, helium stable isotope, uh, which is helium-3, and the another heavier stable uh, helium isotope, which is helium-4. I found uh, a release of both uh, isotopes of helium together with the release uh, of uh, uh, heat. And uh, something interesting I found that uh, there is a correlation between uh, the heat release uh, and the release of helium. So for me, it was apparent that I, uh, I am observing at that time uh, low energy nuclear reaction, especially I would like to determine it to be cold fusion nuclear, the uh, cold nu nuclear fusion, because in fact uh, the initial products were deuterium, and uh, hydrogen. Hydrogen was actually uh, coming from the environment uh, and their interactions with uh, the metals. Hmm. So, uh, generally speaking, in the end products uh, were helium. Hmm. There is no other way, other treatment of this matter except uh, to conclude that uh, uh, cold nuclear fusion has been observed. Hmm. 
at at ICCF 21 last June, you presented some results showing helium production when you use a palladium cathode with deuterium. Can you briefly explain your experimental setup and tell us how do you know that you are measuring helium-4 in your experiments? Okay, uh, it was uh, very uh, uh, easy, simply. The uh, palladium specimen was placed on a sample holder uh, and uh, uh, deuterium nitrogen gas mixture was directed to the specimen in the environment of parasitic, uh, parasit inflated hydrogen. So now, uh, the uh, Observation uh, of helium uh, were done in two ways. Once, uh, one uh, way was connected uh, with uh, mass spectroscopy. It was uh, clear uh, that uh, we have uh, a release of helium-3, the first one. However, the mass spectroscopy, the mass spectroscopy cannot distinguish helium-4 or 4 from deuterium Molecular. Mm-hmm. So now, that's why actually additional uh, experiments uh, were done, uh, and I was lucky that at the same time I found that uh, there is a release of helium hydride. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about uh, helium four hydride release, uh, and uh, the mass spectroscopy used uh, to show very clear that helium hydride. Uh, uh, has been released, which confirms that uh, in uh, the uh, data pertaining to uh, helium-4 molecular deuterium, uh, there is helium-4. Otherwise, helium-4 hydride was not able to uh, to exist in the main chamber. So now, uh, this is actually regarding uh, the mass uh, spectroscopy. However, uh, I did uh, additional experiments in order to confirm that we are talking um, exactly about helium gas mm-hmm. and uh, exactly about helium-3 and helium-4. And these experiments were connected with uh, uh, optical spectroscopy of the, of, uh, the excited gases immediately above the sample holder. Mm. This optical spectroscopy shows very clear peaks about helium, which means actually we have uh, optical radiation from the excited helium. And uh, as actually uh, it shows uh, a typical peak spot for helium-4 and one peak for helium uh, pertaining to helium-3. Generally speaking, uh, uh, um, the verification of the results uh, were done from one side uh, regarding the existing data about uh, optical spectroscopy of the excited uh, helium uh, gas, uh, which uh, exists in the literature, and from the other side uh, with alignment uh, of uh, the uh, of uh, this actually optical spectroscopy of excited uh, gas in the main chamber uh, in case of inflation of deuterium. Uh, uh, nitrogen gas mixture in a hydrogen environment. Uh, 
with uh, another actually optical spectroscopical da- uh, spectroscopy data taken in case that we have only inflation of helium in the main chamber. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, the optical spectroscopy of uh, the optical radiation of the inflated helium. So now, uh, these things actually, these, uh, the, these both things confirm that indeed during the interaction of deuterium uh, with metals in the hydrogen environment, doesn't matter that actually uh, the hydrogen gas was parasite, uh, uh, this was actually a product of parasite inflation in the main uh, uh, chamber. Uh, these actually things uh, show uh, that indeed we have clear proofs about uh, release and in fact generation because there is no other way as uh, 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 other way uh, helium to exist that we have actually indeed generation of helium. There is no other way we to, so we have actually the initial products helium, hydrogen, so, so, sorry, deuterium hydrogen and end products helium. Three uh, two uh, isotope helium three and helium four which means actually we have clear evidence that we have, uh, in fact, uh, uh, cold fusion. As I mentioned already, regarding uh, the helium form, we have actually helium hydrate uh, uh, data confirming that it uh, uh, that we have uh, helium four during this interaction, this, during, during this interaction. And in addition, something very interesting, uh, I found that uh, there, is, uh, there was actually a cyclic heat release, resulting in cyclic change of the temperature of the sample holder. This actually cycles, they uh, uh, correlate with the cycles of helium-3, even with helium-4 as well. Despite actually the mass spectroscopy uh, cannot show clearly that it is uh, uh, exactly about helium-4, but for helium-3, for sure. What do you mean the heat cycles? It means, I'm going to, to explain, it means actually that uh, the temperature of the sample holder begins from uh, some initial temperature. Let's say uh, if uh, the uh, metal parts of the reactor uh, have been exposed uh, only on uh, a room temperature within, let's say, at least 72 hours. It means without any other uh, uh, heat uh, uh, to be released in the main chamber, something like that. Uh, it is reasonable to assume that the initial temperature of the sample holder is uh, equal to the room temperature. And especially, generally speaking, uh, the thermal couple measuring uh, the temperature uh, uh, of the sample uh, holder correlates uh, uh, exactly shows exactly the same temperature of uh, the sample holder, initial temperature of the sample holder, uh, in comparison with uh, uh, the thermometer measuring the temperature in the room. So now, after the actually after the interaction with uh, these uh, gases, especially deuterium in hydrogen environment, the temperature used to increase uh, with three degrees C. After that, uh, for uh, uh, approximately 15 minutes, I don't remember exactly, or maybe more, after that it uh, went down again to the initial temperature, after that it goes again to uh, 
the uh, three, degree, three degrees above after that it goes again down to the initial temperature. Hmm. And uh, I observed several cycles and I observed actually several times it to happen. And the, uh, the, the cycles of the, this actually, uh, of the uh, temperature change uh, correlate uh, uh, to the cycles of change of helium-3, concentration of helium-3 in the main chamber. Apparent that actually uh, that there is, uh, there is uh, uh, the heat release is uh, uh, the, the, the heat release happens because actually uh, 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 of the reason creating helium three and helium four as well. Because you're seeing another reason. You're seeing we heat have actually exactly this... the same the same yes exactly the same change of the heat heat release. With actually the uh, when we have actually high uh, uh, heat release, we have actually high uh, concentration of uh, uh, helium, especially helium three. After that, when the heat release go, uh, goes down, the concentration of helium three goes down as well. So the cycle is the same. It means the origin of the, of the, of the heat release is the same like the origin of uh, helium. And what uh, what uh, uh, what uh, other kind of origin uh, uh, it could be as the initial product, uh, the initial uh, actually interacting uh, uh, elements of deuterium and uh, hydrogen. It is, it is, it is typical. It is typical. Uh, 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 these actually products uh, are typical products of uh, cold fusion, uh, cold nu nuclear fusion reaction. That's it in the metals. And as a matter of fact, I may I may uh, I may say uh, further something else. Uh, I developed a theory, and the theory shows that, uh, uh, in fact, uh, uh, during the uh, sorry, due to lattice vibration, uh, especially at the temperatures greater than the Debye temperature, or of course, it can be a little bit below the Debye temperature, but close to the Debye temperature, uh, heavy electrons. Uh, uh, occur in uh, some in certain metals, not only in palladium. Uh, these actually uh, uh, heavy electrons, uh, in fact, mediate mediate uh, between uh, uh, incorporated deuterium, deuterium, or between deuterium hydrogen atoms, which are incorporated in uh, the metal, and uh, as a result, uh, there is a called nuclear fusion, which is connected with the heat release. Even more, the heat release causes partial destroying of the crystal lattice of the metals. Due to this reason, nuclear fusion reaction decreases because the metal crystal lattice needs time for relaxation. It is some kind of a link. As a matter of fact, uh, after the establishment of the crystal lattice and the corresponding lattice vibrations and the corresponding heavy electrons uh, in these things, Called nuclear fusion reaction uh, continues again as the heat release increases. Uh, it explains actually the cyclic change of the heat release. I developed a theory. And in uh, uh, the, the theory developed uh, by me, uh, I used only a conventional quantum mechanics uh, and not uh, unusual assumptions were done. It means I set on the existing uh, establishment in physics. Are you able 
to get this effect every time? Yes, the results are replicable. The results are replicable, uh, and uh, as I mentioned, uh, not only palladium was subject of investigation, but uh, also actually iridium, molybdenum, and even stainless steel, uh, which actually uh, simply uh, right now is difficult for me to say which me- which material is better, because it requires additional uh, uh, additional investigations, additional research in this field. But uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the low energy nuclear reaction effect was observed in all of these metals. According to the theory, uh, we should expect linear reactions in uh, all transition metals, more or less, depending on the nature of the metal. Uh, as is it connected mainly with uh, the incorporation and uh, moving of uh, deuterium and hydrogen nuclei through these metals. Mm-hmm. And you said you had hydrogen in your environment yes. already. And it, uh, where does the hydrogen come from in the environment? The atmosphere, from, the, from the atmosphere. The atmosphere contains, contains hydrogen because actually of the small sizes of uh, the hydrogen atoms, uh, it's very difficult uh, to prevent uh, parasite inflation of hydrogen uh, in the vacuum environment, mm-hmm. even if we take special care about these things. Mm-hmm. The inflation But actually, you're sure that the helium is being generated in, in the environment? There is no other, there is no other explanation. Uh, uh, as I mentioned uh, on my presentation on uh, uh, the International Conference of Cold Fusion 21 in uh, Fort Collins, and uh, also in uh, Colloquium in uh, Boston in uh, the end of March this year, as a matter of fact, there is no other way. If we if we accept, let's say, the mass spectroscopy to show hydrogen to show oxygen, parasite inflated oxygen, of course, to show nitrogen, if we have actually inflated nitrogen, not parasite inflated nitrogen, also water, it is typical, typical, uh, 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 typical actually mass spectroscopy, spectroscopy data which uh, uh, can be used, we should expect that we should accept in the same way uh, the, the data regarding helium-3 Regarding helium-4, here again I'm talking about uh, molecular deuterium together, and about helium hydride. But in addition, as I mentioned, in order to avoid uh, uh, any, 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 uh, any confusions, I did actually optical spectroscopy measurements mm-hmm. showing exact peaks pertaining to helium, helium-4 and helium-3. Generally speaking, uh, uh, some, uh, somebody may uh, say, okay, can we get uh, other uh, hydrogen uh, isotopes uh, instead of helium-3 and helium-4? My uh, answer is no, because if we could get actually these isotopes, they will be shown without inflation of deuterium. Only inflation of deuterium in hydrogen environment causes data pertaining to helium-3, helium-4, And hit release. Do you plan on getting a more quantitative connection between the the heat release and the helium that you're measuring? Well, in any case, uh, in any case, until now there is a correlation. 
Mm-hmm. There is correlation uh, uh, and the experiments, uh, uh, this actually, the, the data are replicable, mm-hmm. which means uh, uh, not a single measurements have been acceptable. Uh, measurements uh, were done in all of these measurements. Uh, uh, there is a strong correlation between heat release and release of helium, especially the release of helium-3. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there is no, uh, there is no. I can can continue about this research, and of course, I'm going to to continue regarding this research. But for sure, we have actually correlation between the heat release and the release of helium in the main chamber. Can you talk a little bit about the colloquium? Were there any newer results that you presented there? Also, what did you think about the colloquium? Generally speaking, uh, I'm going to begin with uh, uh, results uh, presented uh, there. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I presented the results uh, which were up, uh, obtained uh, during my experiments, uh, and it was actually a continuation of my presentations of the experimental results uh, which uh, I did uh, in uh, Fort Collins uh, in the beginning of June last year. And actually, this international conference of Cold Fusion 21. Regarding the colloquium, it was interesting forum, interesting scientific forum. In all scientific forums uh, pertaining uh, to cold fusion research and to land research, actually, it's uh, it is a very nice atmosphere in all these forums. So I'm impressed with this uh, forum, uh, and uh, it was my pleasure I to participate in this forum. Atmosphere about uh, exchange of scientific results, scientific talks, scientific opinions. They are very, I I may say, very progressive forums. Well, we're going to be right back with Dr. Demeter Alexandrov right after our community calendar. The 22nd International Conference on Condensed Matter Nuclear Science, ICCF 22, happens this September 8th through 13th, 2019, in Assisi, Italy. Early bird registration is now open. For more information, go to the International Society of Condensed Matter Nuclear Science website at iscmns.org. And we're back with Dr. Demeter Alexandrov, a Lenner scientist at Lakehead University in Canada, and he is researching helium production in palladium and deuterium systems. Now, Dr. Alexandrov, can you talk about the kind of radiation you measure in your experiments? As a matter of fact, I, during my experiments, I used two radiation detectors, one for neutrons and gamma ray, rays, the other is uh, uh, for alpha, beta, and gamma rays. No radiation was detected during the experiments. According to the theory, there are two possible outcomes. No radiation is necessary to be released at all. Or a radiation could be, but it could be very small radiation. And uh, during the experiments, that's why I didn't register any radiation above the normal background. 
But again, I, I'm, I'm going to repeat, uh, the theory shows that it is not necessary radiation to be released. There is not any reason we to, we to have any concerns that uh, there will be radiation. Mm-hmm. Well, during actually the development of uh, low energy nuclear reactor, of course, uh, the radiation uh, things uh, uh, and the corresponding measurements uh, must be carried uh, all the time. But uh, as I mentioned already, uh, uh, the fact that until now I didn't observe any radiation above the normal background shows that uh, uh, I can con- conclude that, that actually before the development of the reactor, no radiation can be expected at all. Because as a matter of fact, the TIPIC, as I mentioned, the TIPIC confirms this fact. We have nuclear reaction without radiation. Dr. Alexandrov, what is the status of Lenner research in Canada? Is your university supportive of this work? My colleagues support uh, my Lenner research. So now I'm happy to meet understanding uh, in uh, my colleagues, uh, especially my immediate supervisors, about this uh, research, uh, because actually of the nature of the research, uh, still I didn't uh, involve uh, other colleagues in this research or any students in this research. But in the future, of course, I'm going to propose to other my colleagues to be involved in this research if they have interest in this field. And uh, uh, regarding, uh, I will uh, uh, try to involve uh, graduate students in my research as well, because it is very perspective research. But uh, but until now, I met understanding from the side uh, my colleagues from Lehat. Generally speaking, uh, I don't have, uh, regarding the Lenner research in Canada, I don't uh, have uh, any information that somewhere else in Canada, Lenner research is subject of carrying out. Maybe there are attempts, maybe they are not announced, maybe there there is no attempts at all. (laughs) I don't know. Because, you see now, the things are actually that sometimes the people uh, getting going out of the existing establishment, uh, for some people is is difficult, but not for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, talk about that. Uh, Why is this research important to you? This is research, why why this research is important for me. Because, in fact, uh, I found uh, experimental confirmation regarding existence of low energy nuclear, nuclear reaction. After that, actually, I developed a theory confirming that on the basis of the existing establishment, we can explain low energy nuclear reaction in solids. So now, on the basis of these outcomes, and in fact, I can uh, say, okay, there is a confirmation about Lenner effect in solids, not only in polarium. As I mentioned, we should expect these things uh, in a lot of solids, especially in the metals, especially in the traditional metals. Now, further, it is normal that I to expect uh, it to have uh, application in the society. And, of course, the corresponding low energy nuclear reactor to be developed. And development will be based on the research outcomes which I found. So uh, these things uh, actually motivate me I to continue in this field. I'm not going to stop. 
simply, uh, right now I'm uh, uh, searching for financial support because uh, the development of land reactor, even uh, uh, of a prototype, uh, it requires uh, financial support. I don't expect uh, uh, financial support to be significant, uh, and I, I don't expect uh, that uh, it to be a long research because, in fact, land effect is confirmed. It is not necessary to be reconfirmed again and again. Simply, it must be applied in a development of a lander reactor, hmm. which to serve the community. It may have a lot of application. It, it may be connected with uh, the electrical power grid system, or it to be used as off-grid power source, electrical power source. So all of these things uh, uh, are important. That's why... Currently, I'm searching for finances in order to develop, not to confirm land effect, just actually to apply land effect in development of land reactor. Well, we wish you much success in your work, and thank you for speaking with us today. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure to talk to you, to uh, show my point of view, to share my interest in this field. Thank you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. We've been speaking with Dr. Demeter Alexandrov, a professor of electrical engineering at Lakehead University and Lenner scientist investigating the production of helium in transition metals and deuterium systems. That's it for today. Remember, you can find more episodes of the Cold Fusion Now podcast on our website at coldfusionnow.org and subscribe on iTunes. Until next time, I'm Ruby Carrot.